Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Hello and welcome to Of God Alien, the show that is just as faithful as Donald Trump is to conservative principles. <laughs> this is the first show we have done since January. It is great to be back with you. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at 210-854-8029 or you can reach me by email at the letter B, the letter F, at bromfrench.com or bromfrench at mail.com. So what is going on? The world has fallen apart and they have gone nuts. We have lost, as an American people, we have lost our ever-loving minds. Give you some for instances. This bathroom issue, a mandate from the federal government at the White House has set out a mandate saying in public schools, boys can use girls' bathrooms, girls can use boys' bathrooms. We have lost it. We are nuts. It is official. We are insane. And so uh, now, Target, if Target wants to be stupid, that is fine. I think it was, what, 10 days they lost $10 billion because they said that boys can use girls' bathrooms and vice versa. They lost, what, like $10 billion, 10 days, something like that. Their stock plummeted. That's great. That's fine. Hopefully, God willing, somebody with a brain will come buy them out and offer common sense and save the company. If not, let them go belly up. But what do you do when it's the federal government and it's the White House that is now saying in our public schools, this also must happen? I'm telling you, we have lost our minds. Talking about politics, a Volkswagen bug pulls up and out jumps Trump, Hillary, and Bernie. Where are you? Well, you're a circus. You're in a circus, and the clowns have gotten out of the car. Now, they also happen to be the front runners, the leaders in both major parties in this nation. Ronald Reagan said of the Democrats that he did not leave the Democratic Party, that the Democrats left him. I say it today of the Republican Party. I did not leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party has left me. I can tell you that what we really need now, one of the things we need now, we need more and we need new Milton Friedmans. We need more and new Hayek's. More and new Walter E. Williams. And some of you listeners may ha not have a clue who I'm talking about. Now, uh, that's if I have some of you listeners <laughs> recognize this podcast. We've never broke five listeners, I don't think, except for our NSA operatives. And now, thanks to Rand Paul, that's not on the table any longer. So I, that means I probably lost more listeners. Thanks, Rand. <laughs> We need more economists that will speak common sense and will say it loud and proud and clear. What we also need, we also need a people that are willing to shy away from cults of personality and again be people of principle. This is a part of the demise of America. 
is we for too long have been a cult of personality. And if we liked the persona that the candidate gives us, we will support them. This is why we have ended up with Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton does not have the same cult of personality. That's why there is the Bernie Sanders out there that will say, I'll give you anything you want. Just vote for me. What we need, we need limited government. Limited government. And so because I want to shy away from cult of personality, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time speaking of these clowns. Instead, I'd rather spend some time talking about principles. I want to spend some time in this podcast. If you're wondering, we're not going to go through the Quran today. Um, we're not going to discuss the doctrine of devils. In a little while, we will go through the Bible in a quadrillion years because that is the staple of the show. But what we do need, we do need limited government. And when I say limited government, I'm speaking of federally, I'm speaking of statewide, and I'm also speaking locally. I'll even take it further than that. Your housing authority needs to be limited. Your homeowners associations need to be limited. This is a part of the problem that we have. What do you mean when you say limited government? Well, thank you so much for asking. What I mean is lower taxes. That's one thing. Our taxes are already too high. The rich are taxed way beyond their proportion. And while the poor get a free ride. And in case you're wondering, I'm close. I'm real close to the poor. <laughs> Thank you, those of you that are rich. And it doesn't take much to be rich. What, you make $50,000 or a little bit over that. It's, it, this is crazy. What else do we need? When I, or what else do I mean when I say limited government? I mean blind justice. Blind justice that's blind to the race of the victim and the perpetrator. I mean that's blind to the position of the one committing the crime and the victim. Whether it is uh, a position in authority, a police officer, or a politician, or an individual. We need blind justice again. We need individual liberty so that you can say what you want to do, do what you want to do, go where you want to go, and responsibility. Now, individual liberty only works when you have also individual responsibility. Not collective liberty, not we can do this as a group, but individual liberty that also follows suit individual responsibility. If you rob somebody, you go to jail individual responsibility for your actions. What do I say? What do I mean when I say limited government? I also mean open an open marketplace free of regulations. An open marketplace where the farmer does not have to fear that the government's going to step in and say that their land is now swamp land or it is an endangered species habitat and they will take it. A marketplace free of the encroachment of government and its bureaucracies. Personal property rights free from both government and bureaucratic confiscation so that the government cannot come in, step in, and when I say government, again, I do not mean solely federal, but I also mean local and state and your own homeowners associations. Over and over we have seen the overreach 
If you want to make an incandescent light bulb, you ought to be able to do it. If you want to make a steel in your backyard, you ought to be able to do it. If you want, oh, I, I'm going to push the envelope here. Uh, you, you, some of these things, if you want to do, I believe you ought to be able to do it. You, you, you're stupid for wanting to do it, but you ought to be able to be stupid, if that makes sense. And it does, and I don't care if you think so or not. So, <laughs> so when I say limited government, what do I mean? I also mean true freedom of speech. True freedom of speech, regardless of media or individuals. I had this great discussion the other day with a young man who had stated that you know he was debating in his own mind about freedom of speech in relation to media. Should they be able to slander and say negative things? And some were saying that, no, they shouldn't be able to do it. And I didn't realize what was going to come up the very next day. And I expressed that I believe they should have the right to be stupid and to lie. I firmly believe they had the right to lie. And we had a little discussion about it. Eventually, I think he saw my way of thinking at it or approaching it. Sure enough, Katie Couric did a documentary about guns. And in the documentary, she edited a silent part at the beginning of an interview with gun enthusiasts and then placed that in the documentary where it looks like they don't know or don't have an answer for her question. When in actuality, they had the exact answer. So guess what that does? That does not make the gun owners look bad. It makes Katie Couric look bad. And so I firmly believe freedom of speech even for the stupid, ignorant press. <laughs> Whoever they are, they've got the right to be stupid. Look at MSNBC. They've got, what, three viewers? I might have more listeners than they do. And we all know this show stinks. This show can't tank anymore than it already has. <laughs> I go back to paraphrase Ronald Reagan when he said, Government is not the answer to these problems. Government is the cause of these problems. That's in essence what he said. What he said was government is not the answer. Government is a problem. But government's not the answer to these problems. Bernie Sanders is not the answer. I'm going to be honest with you. Hillary Clinton's not the answer. But I'm going to be dead serious also when I tell you Donald Trump is not the answer. He's not the answer. The real answer is going to be Jesus. I think we all know that. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is no other. There is no other way. Morality and a free people are the only way that we can remain free. We must have morality. You cannot separate morality and freedom and have a sane society. And we have tried to do that. We have taken away morality. And as we have taken away morality, so have we also taken away a conscience. And we've taken away freedom and liberty. And so now you're free to use whatever bathroom you want, you want, but you're not free to feel safe when you use that bathroom. I hope you understand what I'm getting at. Freedom is not freedom without responsibility. And responsibility only comes through morality. And morality comes through scripture. And so we find ourselves going all the way back to the Bible. That reminds me in just a little bit, and I'm excited about it. We're going to get to go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. 
And when we finish Genesis, I don't remember if I ever told you or not, we are going to skip and go straight into Proverbs because Proverbs is an awesome, awesome book. And uh, I had a gentleman encourage me several years ago to read Proverbs. He said, there are 31 chapters. There are roughly 31 days in a month. And I encourage you to read a chapter a day for 31 days. Do it every month. And I did this, and it totally read He encouraged me to do it as a pastor. He said, if you want to be a better pastor. And boy, did it work. But it didn't only make me a better pastor. It made me a better father and a better husband and a better preacher. It made me a better man all around. And so, now, some of you are wondering, what? You, you, you're going through Proverbs. Proverbs talks about being diligent. And you have not been very diligent about this podcast. <laughs> Boy, you're telling me. But anyway, so we are going to go through the Bible in a quadrillion years, and we're going to skip all the way down to Proverbs when we finish Genesis. And uh, if we can continue doing the podcast, that will only be in... Uh, a few weeks, uh, well, knowing me, a few months. <laughs> anyway, let me take a break. While I come back, we'll go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. Hold on just a second. Are you tired of your church asking for 10% of your income? We are so thrilled that we are finally able to offer an 8% tithe. That's right, folks. No more having to give 10% of your income. 8% is good enough for us. Why don't you come on over? Do you have a pastor that is constantly preaching against sin? Every service, he is telling you about what sin is. You will love our church. We don't preach against sin. As a matter of fact, we preach against preaching against sin. If you're looking for a church where you can feel welcome and right at home, make yourself comfortable on our pews. We are the First Church of Laodicea. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty and we are back and we're about to go to the bible in a quadrillion years we're in genesis genesis chapter 42 we're going to pick up at verse number six we're going to try to go all the way down to verse number nine and if we can, we might go further, but I doubt we'll get that far. Genesis chapter 42, verse number 6, the Bible says this, And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. So let's back up. Now, if we're going to go through the whole story, 
Remember, he has been sold into slavery because he's a dreamer. His brothers hate him. They despise him. They have sold him into slavery. We've already gone through him uh, being sold to the Ishmaelites, thrown in a pit, sold to the Ishmaelites. Now he's also, uh, he's at Potiphar's house. He's accused of rape by Potiphar's wife or attempted rape. He's thrown into prison. A couple guys have dreams. He's got the interpretations. One of them gets out. It's the one is killed. The baker's dead, but the butler is back serving the king. Two more years pass, and finally the butler remembers when the king has another dream or has a dream. Finally, then the butler remembers Joseph and says, Oh, dear Lord, I forgot. I've got a guy who's got an interpretation. He's got the interpretation. Uh, he, he's called before Pharaoh. The Pharaoh has told him, I've told the dream to all my wise men, my council, my magicians, but nobody can answer. Had seven cows. They were fat and seven that were skinny, and the skinny ones ate the fat ones, and the stalks of corn, so on and so forth. And so now he has been elevated. Joseph has been elevated to a place of position in Egypt. He is now second only to the king. Now remember, the reason his brothers despised him was because he was a boy with a dream. And anytime you have a dream, there's going to be somebody that's going to hate you, especially if you speak it. They will despise you if you let your dream out. And so Joseph was the governor over the land, verse number six says. So he's the governor. He is over the land. And he it is that was that sold to all the people of the land. So he is in charge of everything. Uh, the cashier on top of that. <laughs> and so if you're going to buy corn, you're going to have to go to Joseph. And the Bible says, Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Now, why is this significant? Because the dream that Joseph gave them was, remember, there were 12 stars and 11 bowed to me. And he had several dreams like that. And it's always the same outcome. And now it is happening. His brethren don't recognize it. They don't know who he is but it is happening in front of their eyes. He was the governor of the land. He was He's the one that sold to the land. Joseph's brethren came, and now they are bowing down themselves before him with their faces to the earth, the Bible says. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them. They did not know him, but he knew them, but made himself strange unto them. So in other words, um, he probably at this point looked like an Egyptian. I doubt, after all these years, that he looked like a Hebrew, except for the physical traits he was born with. But beyond that, he probably had a beard that would more resemble the Egyptians than the ones that would resemble the Hebrews. He would wear Egyptian clothing instead of Hebrew clothing or Jewish clothing. And so they do not recognize him. He made himself strange unto them. I wonder if maybe he spoke... Egyptian instead of Hebrew. I don't know exactly what he did, but he disguised himself to them and spake roughly unto them. So <laughs> he was not a nice guy, understandably, especially in this situation. I would, I, I think I would have a hard time being a very nice guy, the offset, if I was in his position as well. <laughs> so he's mean to them. He speaks roughly to them. And he says unto them, whence come ye? So why have you come to Egypt? What brings you to our land? 
Whence come you? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So we've come because there is a drought. There is a famine and we've got nothing to eat. We've come for something to eat. Now, Joseph's dream is already being open to him. It is already being revealed. Verse 8, Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. Joseph, in many times, is considered a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the Lord came into his own, but his own received him not. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Joseph knew his brethren, but his brethren did not know him, just as Jesus had come and was, he knew, but they didn't know. Let's go to verse number nine. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. Joseph remembers the dream. If God ever gave you a dream, he will bring it to pass. It won't happen necessarily right away. Sometimes it takes time. There are going to be peaks in that time, and there are going to be valleys, and there will be occasions where it's going to seem like, and it may be the case, where there are more valleys than peaks. There are more low spots and difficult times. For instance, Joseph, you're going to be in prison, you're going to be a slave, you're going to be accused of rape. And people are going to forget about you. People are going to abandon you. But in all of this, the Lord is preparing you for a purpose and a time that is appointed. And so if God has given you a dream and you have seen the disappointment and the setbacks and the things that you thought, well, I've got the dream, I've got the vision, I know where the Lord wants me, but that's not where I am at the moment. Instead, I'm far away from it. Joseph, what you might not realize is when you're in prison, you're really not far away from it. You're closer than you've ever been. Isn't that amazing? Joseph in prison was closer than when he was in Potiphar's house or when he was thrown in the pit. As a matter of fact, he's closer than when he was with his brethren or before his dad sent him out to check on his brethren. That's crazy. He was in the prison, and it was just one turn from the prison to where God had him. Don't give up on the dream God's given you. You hold firm to it. Hold with everything you've got, even when the circumstances tell you otherwise. Even when your eyes tell you otherwise. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the Bible said the just shall live by faith. Walk by faith and not by sight. Joseph, I know you're in prison, but there's a kingdom just ahead of you. There's power just ahead of you. And the visions God gave you way back when you were just a lad are about to be fulfilled even while you sit in prison and you feel like you're going to rot. If God spoke to you, hold firm. He will perform it. He will do it. So he knew his brethren, but his brethren knew him not. Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. He remembered, God told me. God told me, and now, finally, 
after all the setbacks, all the disappointments, all the times that I was let down, finally, what God has spoken to me has come to pass. And now he says to them, ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land. Are ye come or ye are come? You came to check this land out. You're not really here because you're starving. Now what he's actually doing is he is setting them up. He's setting them up for what will eventually be his revealing of who he is. But he says to them, you're spies. You've come to check out the land. Let's go on. I think I've got enough time to go a little bit further. Verse number 10, and they said unto him, nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. Now check this out. They're calling themselves his servants. You remember what the dream was? And here it is happening, and they don't even know it. That's something I want to talk about for just a second. God's dreams that he's given you, you might see them fulfilled. But don't be surprised when other people don't recognize it. Because God didn't give them the dream, he gave you the dream. He didn't speak to them. He spoke to you. And if he spoke to you and gave you the dream, what difference does it make if the other people recognize the dream that you're now living? I'm living the dream. I I am. I'm evangelizing. I'm also pastoring now. That's a whole other story. But I'm living the dream. I'm doing what what my dream has been since about the age of two. But you know what? Whether or not you recognize it doesn't matter to me whatsoever. I, I could care less. And if my family recognizes it, my siblings, I don't care. Now, I, some of my siblings do. Some of them might not. And it doesn't bother me because I know where I am in God. And so they didn't recognize it, but it didn't change the fact. That makes sense? Hopefully you understand that. It doesn't matter whether or not they know it. What matters is you know it. God spoke to you about it anyway. He was speaking to you about you. And so whether or not you're recognized for living the dream that God spoke to you doesn't change the fact you're living. They didn't know that Joseph was the governor, but it didn't mean that he wasn't the governor just because they didn't know it. All right, let me keep going. It said, Nay, my Lord, verse 10, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's sons. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And so now they are trying to defend themselves. And remember, Joseph knows who they are. Joseph has recognized it. He's calling him out, but he's going a very roundabout way. <laughs> and so they're trying to defend themselves. No, 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 no. We're your servants. We're not really spies. That's not, we haven't come to see that the drought has affected you. Um, we've come because we need food. Verse 12, and he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. You've come to check out how bad it is here. That's why you're really here. Remember, he does know, but he's planting the seed that is going to be a part of his revealing. They said, and they said, thy servants are 12 brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. 
So now in their defense, in their defense to Joseph, they are outlying and unwittingly confessing what has transpired, not recognizing who it is that they are speaking to. Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan, and behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. And so they are saying, Benjamin is still with dad. Oh, but we had another brother, and uh, he's no longer with us. He is, uh, he is not. Uh, basically, he's dead, and as far as they knew, and were thinking, he most likely was. I've got no doubt. And Joseph said unto them, that is it that I spake unto you, saying, ye are spies. <laughs> In other words, I don't believe you. You're full of hot air. You are a politician. You are a Republican. You are a Democrat. You are Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I don't believe you. You're Hillary Clinton, and we're talking about Benghazi. What difference does it make anyway? You're spies. Hereby ye shall be proved. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to prove yourself. By the life of Pharaoh, ye shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. He set them up big time. And the reason is because they turned on me. How do I know they didn't turn on Benji? They turned on me. How do I know they did not turn on Benjamin? And so he calls them out and says, you're lying to me, and I want you to prove it. Again, he had a dream. He had a vision. It's come to pass. And in its coming to pass, he is now solidifying his position while proving what God gave him really was for him. What an amazing story. And it gets even better. Just hold on a little bit longer. But not today. We've run out of time. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you later. <laughs>